the citizens of Ebenezer had never known anything other than prosperity until the passing of Reverend Bartholomew Blackthorn. Now they suffer unknown blights and misery on a staggering scale. Crime has risen, violence has grown more pervasive, and crops refuse to grow. Animals miscarry and cows give sour milk. The folk seek another to leave the lost flock and restore them to the proper path. Ebenezer once had the richest soil in the land, and some say they owed it all to Peter Ellis, a horticulturalist and local legend. Things grew surprisingly quick and hardy, even things that shouldn't grow given the general climb. Sensitive bananas, lemons and olive trees grew just as well as more standard crops. Ellis claimed one simple philosophy, look after nature and it'll look after you. The locals found him charming but somehow unsettling, and a rare few claimed to have spotted the spirits of their loved ones, beckoning them to Druid Hill, a small rise with an olive grove at the top. A single dirt road leads into the town of Ebenezer. However, in this early morning, a huge tree has fallen and is blocking the road, leaving the only path through to the town on foot through the forest of twisted and stunted trees that surround the town. A local buzz that travels through Ebenezer once a day has stopped on the other side of the tree, unable to continue its journey. Two modern-looking cars have also pulled up there, carrying two distinguished-looking passengers. One of these passengers is the distinguished and athletic Eric von Braun, who has arrived shortly after his servants who were sent ahead of him to resettle the old family manse inside the town. He is currently wearing, as he sits in his fancy automobile uh, of recent model and make, he is wearing a leather jacket and slacks. He is being hip. It is the sort of getting into the late spring here. Um, he has an aristocratic cast to his face. He's got the aristocrat nose, um, strong chiseled jawline going on. Uh, he's got a sharp eye um, uh, of uh, a person probably given a very expensive private education. Behind his car is a young man by the name of Tiberius Blackthorn, the only living relative of the previously deceased reverend of the parish, who has now inherited the slightly crumbling old manse of the Blackthorn family and has come to claim it. We also see, as the bus driver tells any passengers on board, that they are going to have to get off and walk from here since he can't wait for these two woodsmen to clear the trees is a young reverend slightly tempered by his experiences during the war walking with a limp and leaning heavily on a cane as he gets off the bus the, the bus driver sort of leaning back in through the door of the bus and shouting in a voice loud enough for like everyone to hear he's like sorry i'm gonna have to move on a anyone who's Get, was getting off at Evan Eves. You're going to have to get off here and walk the rest of the way. I'm sorry, but they're saying it's going to take the rest of the day to clear this tree and I can't stop here for the rest of the day. Is that anyone for Evan Eves? And like, there's about six other people on the uh, the bus and they're like, yeah, you're the only one who raised the hand. Everyone else is like, is that what? Is that what? Well, I'm sorry. Sir. Oh, father. Sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, father. You're going to have to get off here and walk. I'm, I'm really sorry about this. Yes. Not at all, not at all. I'm more than happy to. Anyone that's heading to Ebenezer as well, I'll 
more than gladly walk with you. Kind of right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll get up. I'm uh fairly fairly big guy, like in in terms of height, but you can see that he um he's um diminishing the fact that he's he's got a cane he seems like he's like walking with a limp as if some 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 he's carrying an injury he's probably late 40s or so um <laughs> uh, and he's got like swept kind of greased hair to one side as if he was kind of like trendy once but now is seen some stuff but his clothes are kind of like sharp edges to to a point like where it's like his he's maybe wearing like a priest suit, but it's been prepared in military fashion. Um, clearly takes kind of pride in being like tidy and ready to go. Um, very kind of like open and, and kind face, but with piercing eyes that have seen some stuff and things. As the Reverend gets off the bus, the two workmen have sighted Tiberius and they're nudging each other, staring at him, saying, Oh, the resemblance is uncanny. But then they seem to shake themselves out of their reverie as the reverend approaches and they go back to hacking with their small hand axes at this large obstacle that is obstructing the road into Ebeneves. Seeing Eric von Braun's car at the front, the reverend walks over to it and taps gently on the window with his cane. Um, hello, hello my, my child. I'm just wondering, uh, are you making the walk as well? Or... Uh... I'll put the the book down. Uh, put the the glasses down as well. Uh, I was hoping not to. Um, I was hoping to drive. Like this is going to take a while, but um, I I shan't abandon my car. So um, uh, I suppose the answer to your question is no. However, uh, you uh, you are going to walk, uh, Reverend. Well. Obviously, and unless something else uh, comes my way, I, I, it looks like it's my only choice. Eric and the good Reverend Billington decide to give the local woodsman a hand clearing the trees. The woodsman gratefully accept, and they all begin taking turns with the axe. As Von Braun hacks into the fallen trunk, the tree appears to have some sort of disease, a dark green sap or slime welling up in a cut in the bark, and a ripe smell of sewage drifts into the air. The woodsmen say that it's the blight and it affects a lot of trees in the area. Meanwhile, the other woodsman has walked over to where Tiberius is sat in his car. Excuse me, you don't, you don't mind me asking you, so sir. You, you, you're a blackthorn, aren't you? That is correct. One of the last, last remaining. He says, well, I don't mind me saying so, but you're... You're the absolute spitting image of the old reverend. Well, thank you very much. He was. I hope you mean when he was in his prime, because then his, oh, in his yeah, later years. When he, when he was a younger fellow, obviously. But, uh, well, I, I won't be smirching. He did it. He did a powerful lot of good for, for the for the town. He did uh, things. Things have never been so good as when we had old uh, Reverend Blackthorn up in the church. Yeah, we're known for our strong jawline. That is for sure. He says, "Well, take take a look at these woods, for instance. They they used to be our pride and joy." We used to have woodsmen out there working the trees and selling the wood. Old, uh, old Reverend Blackthorn used to say, you know, you take care of nature and it'll take care of you. But 
ever since he's left this blight just seems to be spreading through through the forest and there doesn't seem to be anything we can do about it i mean we find diseased trees we, we chop them down but it doesn't seem to be doing much good and well well the town's in a bit of a sorry state if you don't mind me saying my uncle so my uncle always used to say that blackthorns have been a part of the town for centuries oh yeah the the, the, the roots of your family are sunk deep into this town too the woodsman advises Tiberius to stick to the roads and warns of wild animals in the woods. It takes many hours and it's not until 1pm when they've cleared the tree enough to allow their cars through. And unfortunately during the incident Tiberius's car has been splattered with the foul smelling green sap from the tree staining the Corinthian leather upholstery of his modern car. Reverend Billington accepts a lift from Von Braun and climbs into his car and they both continue into town. Okay, so as you're driving along following Eric's car, you notice what you think seems to be a, maybe it's a figure or maybe it's an animal just sort of like moving almost parallel to the dirt track, like just behind like the first row of trees. You catch like a, a vague hint of like cloth fluttering in the breeze or perhaps caused by the movement seems to be like a, a good bit ahead of like eric's car but you just sort of catch sight of it as it moves between two trees yeah i'm having to put like, i'm having to focus on the road mainly because it's like it's not exactly um calm but yeah i'm like this that does it appear to be humanoid difficult to tell but like you say you definitely saw like fabric so it could be like someone's clothes or huh. maybe it's just like something caught on a branch you're not sure I'll um I'll shout out to the to the open air. Watch out! Cars coming through. Okay, so you hear. Stay away from the road. road. You hear that? And as you hear that shout, Eric and Father Billington, from behind you, from where Tiberius's car is, are puttering along. You see a a figure wearing a slightly scuffed and bedraggled sort of formal suit, although it must have once been. Like quite nice, quite well turned out, but it's like torn, it's ripped, it's ragged, but suit jacket, shirt, trousers, the lot, and a, a quite distinguished older gentleman with a, a grey handlebar moustache like staggers out of the tree line, like into the middle of the road in front of your car, Eric. And as they stagger out into like the daylight out from under the, the darkness of the canopies of the trees, you recognise your butler, Strickland. Although his hair's like in a frizzy sort of wild mess and he looks at his, his jacket and his shirt are torn and ragged. And he has a slight like, wild look to his eyes as he just comes like, staggering out of these trees into the middle of this track. Uh, I would, you know, slam the brakes <laughs> if there is indeed time. Unless he just like runs under the car. Eric screeches the car to a halt just before hitting Strickland, although the man appears dazed and confused and doesn't even seem to know where he is. Tiberius pulls to a stop behind Eric's car as Von Braun rolls down the window and shouts to Strickland. Strickland? Uh, 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 hello? You shout him and he, he turns and looks at you and like his eyes were a little bit glazed over. And At first it's almost like he doesn't recognise you and his, his brow creases in concentration. Then his eyes seem to clear a bit and he recognises you and he says, Oh, oh, uh, oh sir, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, 
I didn't mean to cause any any problems. I was I was just uh, I was just looking for for Alice, and I seemed I seemed to have got quite turned around. Strickland doesn't seem to be aware of how he got into the woods, saying only that he was surrounded by darkness and he went towards a light. Then he was running out onto the road. Whilst he's doing this, Eric explains that Strickland and Alice are servants that were sent ahead of himself to prepare the home. If, if Alice is in fact lost in the woods, surely we should have a look for her. But obviously, securing this man Strickland back to the town seems something that we need to do as well, because he, uh, he seems... He seems quite turned around. Tiberius <clears throat> is looking, he's kind of doing a circle around the cars. He goes into the forest ever so slightly just because he hears that there's another person missing and I'm like looking around to see if I can see anybody. You've had to like wander a little bit further into the wood to find this. You can still just sort of like see beyond it. You know, you're like a couple of rows of trees in, so you're not like deep woods. You can still see yeah, yeah. two cars and this conversation going on. As you as you wander further into the woods, you you start smelling a sort of horrible, sort of rotting smell, and you remember the you remember the last time you you smelt this. It was at your your uncle's funeral, where unfortunately for some reason. According to his wishes, he'd specified that he was not to be embalmed. The, the, the smell you could smell just a little way in the distance, just beyond like a few sort of like fallen trees, instantly sort of takes your mind back to that occasion. The smell is very similar. Following the smell, Tiberius finds a body that appears to be mangled into a fallen, rotting tree and shouts to the others. I think I found something. It could be It could be this person. Reverend, it sounds like maybe Alice is in the woods after all. Indeed, if, if you want to stay here, I can go out and, and try and, and see what's going on. You don't want to lose Strickland. If, if, if you would, yes, because I think Strickland does need... Uh... Supervision, uh, I say with a with a knowing look. Father Bennington joins Tiberius in the woods and sees the body with a shock, realising that it looks identical to the form of Strickland, who is still back at the car with his new acquaintance, Eric. The body of this doppelganger has a look of terror on its dead face. Tiberius, who hasn't met Strickland, wonders aloud who it is, not noticing that the good reverend has gone extremely pale. Could you, could you, Father, do you think you could give the last rites to this poor soul? The last rites? I'd, I'd like to make sure that they're dead first. I, I'll check the pulse, Father, if you're, if you're too... Um, I'll, I'll, no, Tiberius, I'll, I'll gladly check, but this is the gentleman we left at the car. Maybe he has a twin. These things happen. Do we know his family history? He didn't speak of a twin. He merely said that there was himself looking for Alice in the woods. The good reverend still in shock, Tiberius carefully searches the pockets of the unfortunate soul who lies dead at their feet, finding in it a piece of paper that has a list of tasks on it that seem to relate to preparing a house for the arrival of their master. I think I have a. I, I brought some, some bed sheets and things with me to move into that. I can get one. We can wrap the body up for now, and, and bring it to the church. 
That, that's very, very generous of you, Tiberius. Thank you. As Tiberius heads back to the car to check the sheets, the Reverend begins to say a prayer for the departed, looking over the unfortunate body of the individual. He notices that where the body touches the tree, the blight, the green rot, appears to be spreading from the tree into the body, the sight causing him to stumble over his words, and he finds it difficult to finish his prayer. Tiberius arrives back at the car and tells Von Braun what they have found whilst he is getting the sheets from the car. You mind, uh, look, Eric, um, do you mind if I just have a quick, quick um, parlay with you just over, over here by my car? I don't want to disturb the startled figure. Um, I, we, me and the father, have we found a, a body in the woods just up there? Just, um, beyond that oh, no. is, is, it, is it Alice? No, that's the good news. Alice is still unknown. Um, however, he seems convinced the father. Um, okay, I'm a man of reason. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's an explanation. But the father believes that the the, the body we have found is the exact double of that man in your car. And I thought, you sir, Eric, you would know if this man had a twin or like a, you know, a very close and aged brother. If if Strickland does indeed have a brother, uh, such a brother does not work for a father. So, by uh, extension, they would not be here. And what kind of sense does that make anyway? Uh, yeah. How is Strickland in the car and dead in the woods? This that's, is that's what I mean. It's, this is nonsense. There's a reason. I've seen a lot of things back home. Meanwhile, in the woods, Reverend Billington has been looking further at the body, overcoming his initial discomfort. He notices that the body appears to have roots or tiny tendrils sprouting from the back of it into the main trunk of the tree. Very gingerly, he pokes at it with his cane. The, the part of the body, so I'm going to say it's like the, the right arm and the <coughs> torso, it, it crumbles away. And the best way I can describe it is... If you've ever seen like a, a a pile of compost or like manure and you sort of poke it, it like falls away into like fibres and sort of falls to the ground as like leaf mould and stuff like that. It sort of crumbles away into a, a pile of that sort of fibrous material as though it, it wasn't flesh at all. It was like vegetative matter. Tiberius! Tiberius! Tiberius and Von Braun hear the shout. And leaving Strickland at the car, they rush to join the reverends in the woods. He tells them about the roots and how the body crumbles to the touch. Uh, I, there's um, there's, there's 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 roots on his his um his back, Tiberius, and um, I I merely with the lightest of touches touched one, and his arm and torso melted into compost. My God. Reverend Billington examines the crumbling half-head of the strange vegetative corpse in front of them, and he can just about make out wedged in amongst the crumbling vegetable matter some sort of semi-spherical shape. Tiberius? <laughs> yes? Can you see something in, in the head of this, this, this person? And Eric... The more we we look at this, the more I agree this is something, possibly for a, a policeman or a police botanist in some manner. Maybe it's some um, elaborate wicker man that the locals have established for some festival. 
Surely this is not a person. I'll just I'll put my hand on, on Tiberius' shoulder and just be like, yes, yes, possibly. <laughs> uh, what 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 can what is in the center of the head? Is it is it a coin? Maybe ooh, a coin. Uh, it looks like some kind of sphere, but unfortunately, I do not have any gloves. Oh, I see. Um, yes, yes, of course. Tiberius takes the spherical shape and dusting the mulch off it, finds that it appears to be some sort of pomegranate. They agree that they ought to head back to the car and raise this matter with the legal authorities. Tiberius leaves the pomegranate by a tree, marking the trunk so that they can more easily find the location. However, upon returning to the car, Von Braun finds that Strickland is no longer there. He shouts, but there is no response, and the group begins searching for tracks. And they do indeed find some, but they disappear once they reach the tree line. They decide to continue into the town. At the northern end of Ebenezer, a hill known locally as Druid's Hill rises above the town, overlooking it. The homes of the Blackthorns and the Von Browns are on either side of the hill, with dirt roads leading to them. A small footpath winds up the hill to the rickety, crumbling church at the top. However, their attention is drawn to a maypole decorated with fruit that has been erected in the centre of the town. There is a loud (coughs) and clanking as both cars suddenly stop working and black smoke bellows noisily from the engines. I I guess we just sort of like glide into a a smoky stop. As you're doing that, you see a a young man with a, a sort of light fuzzy brown beard, perhaps drawn out by the the noise that your vehicles are making. The young man introduces himself as David Dobbins, a local history enthusiast and botanist. He tells them that motor vehicles often break down in the town and asks if he can be of any help. Although he tells them there are no mechanics or a wire station in town since so many people have left with it having fallen on hard times. However, when Eric introduces himself, he recognises the Von Braun name and reveals he was actually up at the old Von Braun pace making a sketch this morning for his local history notes and he actually spoke to the servants Strickland and Alice. He asks if Von Braun is coming to the May Day celebrations and says that the locals are hoping that the new priest will officiate in them like the old reverend did. However, the new priest has not arrived yet. Um, I have your your next interviewee, uh, Mr. Dobbins. I'll <laughs> gesture yeah. towards... He looks over and you're obviously dressed like a vicar. So he's like, oh, you, you must be the, uh, the new vicar father... Uh... Yeah, Father Father um, uh, Billington. He says, oh, uh, pleased to meet you, pleased to meet you. D- David Dobbins, David Dobbins, a lo- lo- local, uh, local horticulturalist, uh, and, uh, amateur history buff. And, uh, well, yes, sir, I know the, uh, I know some of the locals were hoping that you, as your predecessor, uh, the, uh, the, the late lamented uh, Reverend Blackthorn, they were hoping that you'd, You'd lead the the May Day parade, and it goes all all the way through the town, up Druid's Hill, around the church, and then uh, and then uh, back through the town and to the uh, to the Maypole. Just over there. You have noted the uh, the route of the, the the celebration in your book. Yes, as I said, I'm a, I'm a local history aficionado. Well, um, and horticulturist. 
Well, yes. I mean, most of most of the local history in these parts is all tied up with the the farms and the as, as I'm sure you'll be aware from the history of this place, the uh, mm -hmm. the vast bounty that they used to be able to grow here. Although I must say, seeing it now, it seems a, a pale, sad reflection of the tales people have told me. Well, well, um, David, if I may, oh, um, I I would be more than honoured to lead your your May Day celebration. Um, be a lovely way to meet my my flock, as it were. Um, but um. As I'm only just here, is there not anyone else more suited to possibly join me at the the front of the festivities? Well, I, I think, um, given that it's a it's a, it's of a spiritual nature, is why they, they they're rather hoping you get involved. Like, as I say, the uh, the previous uh, vicar, uh, Reverend Blackthorn, God rest his soul, uh, always used to lead it back in the uh, back in the day. I gather they've uh, they they've not held the festival since his uh, untimely passing. Hmm. Well, bad business. Bad, bad, bad business. Indeed, and, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, my, myself turning up and the 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 new the new blood that has entered the village today as well. Hopefully, will be a, a marker turning point in the village's uh, sad times of recent. I certainly hope so. It could certainly do with a, a run of good luck. Dobbins goes to speak with Tiberius, who introduces himself, and Dobbins says that he's been trying to piece together the Reverend's journals after the nasty business of his death, and it occurs to Tiberius that he wasn't actually told a great deal about how his uncle died, and he's shocked when Dobbins reveals that he was apparently murdered, and that he himself had not been informed about it. You're telling me that my uncle has, has been killed by one of the residents of the town, and this this culprit is still abroad. Well, the uh, Mr. Graves, uh, who's, who's our local lawman, he he investigated, but uh, there's not many of us left in uh, Everdeves, and well, everyone everyone had an alibi for for where they were at the time, so we think it must have been my, an outsider or perhaps an animal. He, my uncle he's, was he ballooned on, by this town. He carries on in well, quite quite. Um, he's he's not officially closed the investigation, but. Um, with no new evidence or any clues, uh, the only the only thing that we found that may shed some light on it is, uh, as I'm sure you know, your your uncle was a voracious uh, journal keeper, and we found mm -hmm. a few scraps of badly damaged and barely legible journals uh, that that he was cl still clutching to him in his death throes. And uh, while well, I've been I've been trying to help Mr. Graves out and uh, piece them together and. Uh, See if we can make anything out of them, but we, we've not had much luck yet. The pieces I've put together just seem to be the normal sort of daily church goings on. Dobbins tells Tiberius that when he settled in, he's welcome to look at the journal fragments, and he points out his home to him, saying that once they're no longer part of an official police investigation, he'll happily turn them over to Tiberius as the descendant of the late lamented Reverend Blackthorne. He then takes his leave. But Tiberius's attention has been drawn to the maypole with the strange amount of local produce on them. He finds it curious that the locals are sacrificing their produce, despite their downward fortunes for the festival, and thinks it might be worth observing it, maybe some link to the strange fruit they discovered earlier. And he wonders to himself, where are the locals getting all this good non-infected produce from? 
Reverend Billington wants to talk to Mr. Graves, the local law enforcement. And as they're all heading towards his building, a door nearby bursts open. A pair of muscled arms grab Tiberius, drag him into the building and start wailing on him with pounding fists. A young man with an oddly wrinkled and mottled face starts slapping Tiberius about the head, calling him a devil and screaming, It's all your fault, Blackthorn! Tiberius manages to push the man off, throwing open the door so that his friends can get in. It's, I am Tiberius Blackthorn, and I am not whoever, whatever scoundrel you think. Tiberius storms off to find the local law, whilst the man who was assaulting him breaks down in a flood of tears, saying under sobs that the devil had said he'd come back, and now he'd done it. The good Reverend Billington steps carefully into the room, attempting to console the crying figure. My, my child, I insist. I am, I'm the new, the new priest for this, uh, for this, for this place. I, I wouldn't lead you wrong. The man clutches at Reverend Billington feebly and warns him to save himself and leave this damned place, saying that Ebenezer takes a hold on a man, and once it does, you can't leave. God knows he's tried. Reverend Billington draws out a small relic that he has brought with him, reputed to be the finger bone of St. Jude, the patron of lost causes. He asks the man to place his hands on it, and join him in prayer so that they might both be cleansed of their sins. So you're continuing this prayer and this guy's holding the uh, the finger bone of St. Jude. He just sort of goes, <coughs> and as you see like a single drop of what looks like green liquid like dribble down from the corner of his mouth into his beard. Reverend? This, a gust of wind seems to rattle over the, the roof of the building and as it does it tears loose one of the already fragmented tiles in the building and so cats it down into the street where it cracks and as it does so what seems to be like a, a single like shaft of sunlight seems to shine down through this hole that's been revealed in the roof and it shines down on this man who seems to like collapse he just sort of like falls to the ground to like his knees as so he's slowly sort of collapsing. And as he does so, you see like tears also green, like running down his eyes, then like starts coming out of his ears. More dribble stock coming out of his mouth. However, his face takes on a look of serenity. Like there's a, like a beatific smile on his face as he slowly seems, as you watch, he slowly seems to be like collapsing in on himself like a rotten fruit. Oh no! As you're watching, it's <laughs> sort of like sped up on a nature documentary. However, as he sort of slowly like dissolves into this pool of mush, he he, he sort of like with his. With his hand sort of disintegrating, he sort of reaches up, not to touch it, but holds it out in your direction. And in a burbling, semi-liquid voice, as his face starts melting off, he says, he says, Thank you, Father. Maybe now I can breath. 